Welcome back to Journey of a Ballaholic, the best podcast for basketball addicts. I'm your host, General Hannibal X. Now, in this journey, we're going to be discussing the Christmas Day matchup between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, coming into this game, Milwaukee had been steamrolling the lead. They were 27 and 4 coming in, and they really were truly starting to separate themselves, not only from the Eastern Conference, but also starting to separate themselves from the entire NBA. They had beaten the brakes off of the Lakers uh, about a week ago and truly were starting to hit their stride, even with Eric Bledsoe, their third best player, not even being available. Now, the Philadelphia 76ers, on the other hand, though they've been playing really well at home, they were 15-2 coming into this game, they truly were kind of struggling on the road. So it was good to see them back at the conference, you know, in Philly, being able to take on a marquee matchup. And this is the matchup I've been waiting to see all season. Philadelphia versus Milwaukee. To me, these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, bar none. I think this right here definitely was an Eastern Conference preview uh, for this upcoming playoffs. Now, you know, there's still teams like Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, Indiana Pacers, um, even a healthy Toronto Raptors. They may feel that they have a chance to be able to make the Eastern Conference. I'm not seeing it. The, The star power, the size, the length that the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers have, I think it's just too superior for other teams to be able to match up with them in the East. Um, so it was good to finally see this matchup. I think this is what we've kind of all been waiting for, especially from an Eastern Conference standpoint, is to see these two juggernauts go head to head. And in the first quarter, you know, it truly didn't disappoint. You know, it was a high scoring first quarter, which is kind of, you know, atypical for these two teams, which are two really good defensive teams. Uh, Philly was up 38 to 30 at the end of one. Uh, but it was the second quarter where they truly blew the lid off of it, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that they were defending Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I went out, you know, and publicly started to criticize the Philadelphia head coach at the beginning of the game because I didn't like the strategy that they had with putting Joel Embiid on Giannis to begin the game. I thought it was uh, going to be a situation where Giannis and his attacking nature with his ability to um, to drive from the perimeter, that it would have put Joel Embiid in too many positions to where he could have picked up fouls. And we saw he picked up uh, two quick fouls trying to guard Giannis um, in that first half. He finished the game with five fouls, so he was able to manage it. Though he only played 28 minutes, he still was able to dominate. And I think that's going to be one of the keys in this matchup, Philly versus Milwaukee, is how does the Milwaukee Bucks, who have size, I mean, we think about it, Giannis is, what, 6'11". The, the, the Lopez brothers are seven, seven footers. So how do they, even though they have size, deal with Joel Embiid, who to me is the best center in the game without question? You know, some people may take uh, the Joker and say that he's the better center. I don't. You know, I, I think that the two-way ability that Embiid has to be able to be an elite offensive option, whether that's on the block, as well as that's being able to stretch out and shoot from the outside. And he that was on full display today. Um, but also his ability to dominate on the defensive end, which is one of the reasons why I put him above the Joker in regards to being the best center in the game. Now, when it came to this matchup, the Bucs just had their hands full. I mean, Embiid is just, he, he literally is one of the few guys in the NBA that is a matchup nightmare. How do you guard a guy who at a legit seven feet, I'm a strong, solidly built seven feet, can take you inside and can punish you if you put a smaller guy on him. He can take you on the outside and he can shoot over top of defenders or, or smaller defenders if you try to go small um, on, on the perimeter. 
So it's kind of like you got to pick your poison. And so we saw the Milwaukee Bucks trying to put Giannis on him to start the game and having Brooke Lopez guard Al Horford. I, I think I, I understand that matchup. I don't think that it is the best way to go with trying to guard uh, Joel B because Giannis, he, he's your best offensive player, right? And he's your best defensive player. But in certain matchups, you're going to have to choose when to deploy Giannis on the other team's best offensive option. And I think to start the game, you want to get Giannis in an offensive flow. So you don't want him having to really worry too much about defense. What I would have done if I was Milwaukee was try to not necessarily hide Giannis, but allow Brooke Lopez to deal with Embiid to begin the game. And, you know, maybe the first, second quarter, you just kind of rotate the Lopez brothers on, or maybe the fourth quarter, you just kind of switch things up to give Embiid a different look. And try to keep Giannis maybe with Al Horford, even on a Ben Simmons. And you can kind of not necessarily hide him, but put him on secondary or, 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 or third options instead of that primary option, which will allow him to be able to focus more on his offense. Offensively, this is one of the worst games that we've seen from Giannis as he shot 8 for 27 from the field. And this, this wasn't a typical um, Giannis. Like I said, he, he had his hands full. I mean, you got to think about it. The Philadelphia 76ers are one of the few teams. And that's why I think it's truly only about two teams in the NBA that can truly match up with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the Lakers and that's the Sixers. Now, one of the reasons those two teams, the Lakers and the Sixers, I think match up with uh, Milwaukee is they have multiple defenders, multiple big men that have size, that have length, that have the athletic ability to be able to put on, not necessarily just on Giannis, but be able to put on Giannis as well as have those secondary defenders to be able to protect the rim to kind of form that wall. That's what the Toronto Raptors did last year. They had Kawhi Leonard on him, but then they had two all-NBA level defenders in Serge Ibaka as well as Marcus Gasol behind Kawhi Leonard to kind of form that wall of protection to keep Giannis from the rim. And what you do is you force Giannis to become a three-point shooter. Now, when the Milwaukee Bucks played the Lakers in their first match, <laughs> Davis did a, a, a okay job for the most part, but it wasn't until he started giving him just a little bit of room to kind of keep his body in between Giannis and the basket that we started seeing Giannis take and then make the three ball. He shot five for eight from that game. In this game against the Philadelphia 76ers, Giannis was 0 for 7. So that's a drastic shift in Giannis making five versus hitting none of them. Another big thing is that Giannis only got to the free throw line four times in this game. Now, the reason that is very critical, that's, that's a very, very critical uh, a part of Milwaukee's game where you got to remember, Milwaukee Bucks are fifth in the NBA in free throw attempts. They average about 25 a game. Tonight against Philadelphia, they only shot eight free throws. They were six for eight. And that's a minus seven disparity on free throw attempts. That is critical to the Milwaukee Bucks' success. Now, it wasn't just the free throw attempts. That's, that was, that's one aspect of it. But you also have to keep in mind the three-point line. The three-point line right now, Milwaukee came into this game as third in the NBA in three-point makes. They were averaging about 14 threes made a game. Now, granted, they hit 13 threes in this game. Even though they didn't shoot it, you know, particularly well, they still hit 13 threes. The problem was they gave up 21 threes to Philadelphia. Now, that's that's not a, that's not typically going to happen. That's not how Philadelphia typically will beat a team is shooting 
all the threes and making all the threes that they did from the outside. I mean, Philadelphia was, you know, they were out there looking like the Golden State Warriors at one point, the way they were just taking and making all of those threes. So you got to just kind of tip your hat when, if Philadelphia is going to take 44 threes and hit 21, almost 50% of their threes, you're not going to beat them. I mean, I don't, I don't care what team it is. If Philadelphia is going to take that many threes and make that many threes while also having Joel Embiid who can score inside, Ben Simmons who can get inside, Al Horford who can score inside, you, you can't beat that team, right? I think on the season, Philadelphia's, I think they're right, maybe even though they're ranked ninth in three-point percentage at, a, at roughly around 36%, they don't, they don't make a lot of threes, right? They only hit about maybe 10 threes a game. So to be able to double that while also keeping uh, Milwaukee off of the free throw line, that was critical in this game. That that was literally critical to their success. I mean, you got you got to keep this in mind. The Philadelphia 76 is not only are they not really you know adept at being able to hit a lot of threes, they don't really shoot the free throws well. So think about that. A team that doesn't take and make a lot of threes but also doesn't shoot the free throws relatively well. I mean, Philadelphia is ranked number 26 in the league and free throw percentage at a little under 74% on the, on the season. They went out there and hit 15, excuse me, took 15 threes and hit 12. That's 80%. So if, if Philly's going to be able to hit this free throws, hit their threes, how do you beat that team? You know, I mean, it's, it's really tough to beat a really good defensive team when their offense is just clicking. So Milwaukee Bucks, I think, like I said, this right here is a matchup where you're going to see if this, if we are lucky enough to get this in the playoff, this is a seven-game series, right? Milwaukee Bucks, you know, when they're fully healthy, it looks like they're going to be able to have home court advantage. So the first two games would start out of Milwaukee, and they're going to have an advantage playing at home. Personally, I, I think that Philadelphia 76 is just the better team. I honestly think that they are the better team, and one of the reasons that allows them the advantage of being able to have an off game from, from one or two of their big players is the fact that they have more than just one or two big players. For instance, Milwaukee, as we know, they, they are surrounded and this team is truly built around Giannis. He is their superstar, creme de la creme. He is that number one guy, right? There's no question about that. And then there's a big drop off from Giannis to Middleton, who is their borderline all-star, even though he made the all-star team last year, but he's a borderline all-star. He's not a legitimate all-star in anybody's mind, right? It's a big drop-off between them. And then, it's you know, you still got another drop-off when you go down to the third and fourth and fifth best players. So, the Philadelphia 76ers don't necessarily have that. They, they are more of a top-heavy team, whereas the Milwaukee Bucks are more of a deeper, well-balanced, well-oiled machine that's, that's going to go 8-9 deep, right? But because of that, that's when Giannis has to be on his A-game almost every single game against Philly. Other teams, he can have off-shooting nights, you know, an 18-point game, and they can still win by 20 points maybe, right? Not against Philly. Not against Philly because Philly comes with four all-star caliber players. They're not going to have four all-stars this year. But when you look at Joel Embiid, who's a superstar, Ben Simmons, who is a legit all-star, you know, who has superstar potential if he's able, ever able to get confidence in his jump shot. You mix those two, the top one, two guys, with a Tobias Harris, right? With an Al Horford 
who are fringe all-star type players at this point of their career. That's a big, that's a big four horsemen, if you want to call them. So even at any point where Joel, like there was a point in the beginning of the game where Joel Embiid goes out of the game, right? And you still had Ben, Tobias, and Horford on the court. Then I think at, at that point, Ben comes out. And you still have Tobias Harris and Al Horford on the court. So Philly has that ability where they can rest their superstar and still have legitimate offensive options they can run the ball through. Milwaukee doesn't necessarily have it. Now, I, will, I do have to give Chris Middleton a lot of credit. He played an amazing game. One of the best games he's played all season. 31 points. He was efficient. 12 for 21 from the field. 5 for 9 from threes. He even had 8 rebounds and 4 assists. So, so Chris Middleton had a superstar tight game, but he just didn't have his superstar to come along and bring his A game. Once again, Giannis, he, I mean, he filled the stat sheet as he always does. 18 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, but he was 8 for 27 from the field, 0 for 7 from the threes. That's not going to cut it. Specifically, when you're only also getting 4 free throw attempts and you shoot 2 for 4. Now, on the other side, Embiid, he was the superstar, he was the, the best player on the court, and he did it in limited minutes. Because of foul trouble, he had 5 fouls, because of foul trouble, he only played 28 minutes. But in that time, 31 points, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks, 11 for 21 from the field. And what truly impressed me, which it, it, at first it frustrated me, which was the fact that he was playing so much on the perimeter. To me, I understand the infatuation with wanting to have diversity in your game. Okay, I, I totally get that, especially in today's game where it's so positionless where big men being able to step out and shoot from the outside. I mean, we're seeing Anthony Davis do it. We're seeing Brooke, Brooke Lopez do it. Um, uh, even Giannis is now doing it. You know, So I understand Joel Embiid's infatuation with playing on the perimeter and hitting that shot. He started the game off about, I think it was one for three from the three-point line. And to me, that was frustrating because you're unstoppable on that box. Like, as good as Giannis is, right, as good of a defender as he is, even Anthony Davis, these two, to me, these are two of the best uh, two-way players in the game and definitely two of the best big men from a defensive standpoint. They are no answer for Joel Embiid. And it's, all, it's not because of their skill. It's their size. Those guys are forwards, right? They have, they're, they're more slim. Even though they're strong and, uh, you know, strong built, they're more slim fit compared to Joel Embiid, who's a legit 260 and just just solid. He's, he's a grown man. They can't guard him on that box. He's too tall. He's too strong. He's too skilled. He's got good footwork, good patience. But unfortunately, he likes to drift out to the perimeter. So when that shot is on, hey, you take it. He was three for six. He started one for three, ended, um, ended up two for three the rest of the way. So, so you take it if he's going to be able to give you three for six from the three-point line. You'll take that anytime. But you would rather see him only two, take two or three three-pointers and more of those shots be down on the box where you're going to be able to get the other team's big men in foul trouble. So Philadelphia, like I said, this is not a typical game that you're going to see from the 76ers. If they played a seven-game series between them and the Bucs, I, I doubt you're going to see them hit 21 threes or 20 or more threes in more than one game. This was, this was that one game. So they could play another six games the rest of the season and you won't see them hit 20 threes in another game. 
but they hit it tonight. They, they stepped up, took them, and made them when it mattered. So you have to give them credit for that. Ben Simmons, I have to tip my hat to Ben Simmons because he, you know, he's, he's a frustrating talent to me. Ben Simmons, to me, the, the, the amount, the talent that he has is on par with a young magic, right? It's on par with um, a, a high school version of LeBron, right? Where he's he's got the, the size, the 6'9", 6'10", body, you know, the, the passing, the, 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 he's the triple-double threat where he can rebound, he can push it, you know, he can get into the paint just so athletic to just play over top of the defense. But his inability to shoot, more so, not even to necessarily make it, but his inability to take the shot, at times, specifically when the playoffs come, is go- it could be a detriment to Philly's success. And once again, I've gone on the record saying Philadelphia is my pick to make the NBA Finals. And Ben Simmons and his ability <clears throat> to force the defense to have to respect them from the outside is going to be paramount in them being able to get past the Milwaukee Bucks. There was times where Giannis, and I think this is smart, Giannis was matched up on Ben Simmons. If Ben is not going to take those outside shots, Giannis can play off of him and now he can be that rim protector just around the basket. He could be that number one rebounder to grab it and go and ignite that offensive uh, transition for Milwaukee. So that's going to be critical. So Ben's got to be able to make him come out. He's got to be able to make him come out of there. There was a play where Philly did the opposite to Giannis, where Embiid literally was standing almost in the restricted area while Giannis is at the top of the key shooting a three. Now, he hadn't made a three to that point, so there was no need to truly run out there, and the confidence in Giannis to take it was there. They didn't run out there, and he bricked it. So, you live with that. Giannis, if you're going to give him a wide-open three, he's going to take it. That's what Ben Simmons has to start doing, because building that confidence in the regular season is going to allow Giannis in the playoffs to take those, and he's going to make a couple of them. And all he has to do is make a couple of them where you're going to stop giving him that amount of space. So, but despite that, I have to tip my hat to Ben Simmons because in this big-time marquee matchup, 15 points, 14 assists, 7 rebounds. But what was most impressive was his defense. He's leading the league in steals, and his defense came to play tonight. Three steals, two blocks. He was efficient from the field, 7 for 10 from the field, all around. Grade A for, for Ben Simmons. You got you to love what you saw from him. So, the two stars for Philly came to play. The two stars from Milwaukee, Will Middleton came to play. Giannis, you know, he he came to play, but he wasn't efficient. He didn't, he was not effective on the offensive end. He has to be better than missing 19. That's a career high. He missed 19 field goals. You've got to be better than that Greek freak. You have to. And I think he will. I just don't know if the Milwaukee is going to have enough firepower to deal with this Philadelphia 76 team at the end of the season. You've got to remember, a guy like Tobias Harris, a guy like Al Horford, even though they didn't have great games, these are, these are guys that can win a game. Tobias is good enough to where he could have a 20 or 30 point game, one game out of a series. Al Horford could give you a 15, 20 point game, one or two games out of a series. That's all you need when you have two stars is guys that you can rely on to be able to give you that kind of consistent or at least those explosion type games. And those two guys can do that. Does Milwaukee have that? 
Well, that would be Eric Bledsoe. I, I don't personally trust Eric Bledsoe to be that guy. I don't know if he's good enough to be the third best player on the championship team. So if I'm Milwaukee, I'm trying to look to see if I can make a move. I think Milwaukee needs to, as, as crazy as this may sound, the Milwaukee Bucks who right now are 27-5, the best record in the NBA, I think they need to make a move. Losing Malcolm Brogdon is going to prove, in my opinion, is going to prove to be critical to their success or the lack thereof at the end of the season. If you had Brogdon as your third best player still and Bledsoe was your fourth best player, you're much more better and much more aligned to be a championship team. I don't, I, 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 for whatever reason, I don't trust Bledsoe to be that third option. So this right here, this is what you want. This is what we wanted to see and we got it. So I love the, the, the matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing how Philadelphia plays Milwaukee the next time in Milwaukee. Because as we know, Milwaukee Bucks, they don't have to win in Philly to win the, uh, a seven-game series. They're going to have home court advantage. So the, the key is going to be, how does Philadelphia's role players, how does their games travel on the road? We saw Cormaz. He went out and hit four for five from the threes. I think 16 points on, um, on the night. Will he be able to come off the bench and give you those type of production? In Milwaukee, well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily count on that. But I also don't count on Al Horford going three for 12 from the field either. So it's going to be some give and take. These two teams are going to see each other uh, a couple more times this season. So I'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play out. Hopefully we'll be able to see Eric Bledsoe fully healthy. We can see truly how these teams match up. But at the end of the day, Philadelphia 121, Milwaukee 109. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so that you'll be notified whenever a new episode is posted. Also, make sure that you rate and review this podcast and that you share it with your friends. Listen, if you would be interested in becoming a guest on Journey of a Ballaholic, please email me at journeyballaholic at gmail.com. That's journey, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y, ballaholic, B-A-L-L-A-H-O-L-I-C at gmail.com. That's all one word, journeyballaholic at gmail.com. Listen, I want to thank you for listening, and I hope that one day you'll be able to come out and join the Ballaholic conversation. Until then, peace.